Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Top Flag Time Machine are going to be going on tour in early November. You will experience physical movement and emotional movement and so much more. From both of us. Bowel movement? Maybe there'll be a little bit of bowel movement. I can't promise it, but if that's what you're looking for, we can make it happen, probably. It won't be uh, one of those things where a podcast episode is recorded in a theatre. Fuck that. This is a proper show with um, songs and dancing and um, high moments of uh, exhilaration. So come along. Let's just quickly tell you where we're going to be. Uh, the 1st of November, we're in Brighton. 2nd of November, we're in um, Nottingham. The 3rd, we're in Leeds. The 5th, we're in Manchester. The 7th, we're in Glasgow. The 8th, we're in Newcastle. The 9th, we're in Birmingham. And the 10th, we're in London. <gasps> the capital. Mm, what a uh, finale. It's going to be good. I think there's a few tickets left at most venues. Yep. It's uh, going to be really exciting. It's called the Velvet Drainpipe Tour. It's going to be better than the last one, yeah. which is saying something, because the last one was fucking amazing. Ask anyone who yeah. went. But this one, whoa, it's going to knock your cock off. Or if you're a lady, it will knock off your boobs. Go to tftimemachine.com slash live shows to have a look at where you get tickets from. There'll also be a chance to interact with us in an official capacity while we're on stage, not after the show. In a very limited capacity. Come along, you'll love it. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Tune Machine. I'm Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? Welcome along, it's another Tune Machine episode. Um, we've activated the random pop blob and it's produced a chart for us to uh, carefully analyse and we'll hand over to the pop blob now to announce the chart for us. Uh, random blob, uh, open your gob, tell us how to do our job. Third of Mm. Again, there the blob uh, slightly inflating its role, I think, as always in uh, in this preposterous conceit. It, uh, it's probably got on the gear like results spot did. Yeah, they all do they once they've got do. a bit of attention. Yeah. It's we, how they cope with the pressure. Well, we keep ourselves grounded, being yourself, don't we? Generally, yeah. but yeah. the uh, the side characters in this get carried away quite quickly, quite easily. It's sad. It's sad. It's yeah. a tragedy, but it always does. But there you go. We can advise yeah, them as much as we can. the pressure of it all. Exactly. We can advise them. We've been through it all. Me and you. Yeah. With our media to, we've, all, we've both been to hell and back <clears throat> on more than one yeah. occasion. Yeah, exactly. But uh, they'll learn, or they won't. Mm. Um, so it's the 3rd of June, 1970. I mean, this is before both of us were born. Uh, we've yeah. got kind of an unofficial boundary of years that we'll cover, and 1970 is the kind of first year. Mm. We're not prepared to go back any further than that. And it, the, the blob. We can't has, go back to the swinging 60s. The blob, which is supposed to be random, let's not forget, I feel, has stitched us up a little bit here. 
It's kind of yeah. gone. He's gone to it, so let's see yeah. what you can make of this, you yeah. pair of cunts. Oh, you reckon you could do 1970, you? weren't even fucking born. Well, here we go. Yeah. Oh, oh, very random. Yes, Sam. Yes, Andy. Very random. I did it Sorry, randomly. 1970. Let's see you fill half an hour talking about these fucking songs you've never heard of. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, sit back and watch, yeah. Blob. 30 minutes minimum. No fucking problem. Mm-hmm. So, I think we need to go and do the regular countdown of the top 40 of that week to kick yeah. things off. Okay. So, here we go. Uh, down nine at number 40. Knock, knock, who's there? <laughs> it's only fucking Mary Hopkin. At 39, down from 24, it's The Seeker by The Who. <laughs> Straight in at number 38, Tony Joe White with Groupie Girl. Ooh. You in. At 37, ah, he's back again and he's hotter than ever. It's Cliff Richard with Goodbye Sam. Hello, Samantha. Ooh. Blimey. In at 36. Sounds like someone's had the op. <laughs> in at 36, it's a group called Free with All Right Now. I don't think we'll hear much more from that in the future. <laughs> 35. Up from 44. Take to the mountains, advises Richard Barnes. <laughs> Straight in at 34. It's Arrival with I Will Survive. At 33, down from 16. It's Travelling Bad from Credence Clearwater Revival. Down for 32. Andy Williams. He can't help falling in love. At 31. Up from 40. Nine places. It's all in the game, say the four tops. Uh, number 30, up four places. It's the Guess Who with American Woman and No Sugar Tonight. At 29, up one place from 30. Those cheeky status quo boys are talking about down the dust pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a euphemism. Uh, down three places at number 28. It's Simon and Garfunkel with Bridge Over Troubled Water. At 27, down six places. Dana with all kinds of everything. The Hollies are in trouble. Not only have they dropped 11 places to 26, they also can't tell the bottom from the top. At 25, up 10 places, it's Jerry Monroe with Sally. Uh, I knew a girl called Sally once. Oh, she was lovely. Uh, Up five at number 24, Herbert Herbert with Bet Your Life I Do. At 23, down one place, it's Julie Felix with, if I could feel, brackets, El Condor Passa, close brackets. <laughs> Good bracket information there. Up four places at 22, Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. He's back with Kentucky Rain. At 21, Johnny Cash asked the question that has confounded humans from the dawn of time. What is truth? Good question. <laughs> Meanwhile... Up three at 20, Rufus Thomas is urging us all to do the funky chicken. Thanks, Rufus, but I'd rather not. <laughs> Too busy wondering what at is 19, truth. At 19, down from 17, I've got you on my mind, admits White Plains. <laughs> <laughs> Up one solitary place at 18, don't you know, by Butterscotch. Oh, I love butterscotch. My brother's allergic to Butterscotch. Oh, that's a shame. Sometimes we would... We would place pieces of it in amidst the box of ordinary toffee just Ra- to see his face, scotch. his face fucking blow up like a Belisha beacon. <laughs> there was no treatment for him back in them days. He just had to walk it off. He could have died, but that's what led the whole episode jeopardy. <laughs> At 17, up one place, it's Fleetwood Mac with 
the green Manalishi brackets with the two-pronged crown. Remember, this was when the Fleetwood Mac were heavily into acid. Uh, I think someone's been smoking some green Manalishi over there at Fleetwood Mac HQ. <laughs> Down nine places to 16, it's Frigid Pink with House of the Rising Sun. At 15, down 10 places, it's The Move with Brontosaurus. <laughs> Great name for a song. Up six at 14, Marvin Gaye wants to introduce you to three of his friends. They're called Abraham, Martin and John. Uh, I have it on good authority, Marvin is not gay. That's just his name. <laughs> he came up with the name uh, back when gay was just an ordinary word. And I'm, meaning happy. I'm, I'm led to believe he's very unhappy about the connotations it's taken on. New in at 13, it's some characters calling themselves Mungo Jerry with a song called In the Summertime. <laughs> Up to a 12. I don't like the sound of it. <laughs> Up to I don't a trust tw- it. I don't trust them. <laughs> if the charts are about anything, mate, it's trust. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm over the years examining the chart. Let's just say I've developed an instinct for this sort of thing, and my gut's telling me they've got the whiff, the whiff of untrustworthiness about it. Like the kind of people you'd meet in in some kind of market in Marrakesh. Now the polar opposites of those guys are the Beach Boys, and they're up two places to twelve with Cotton Fields. <laughs> Roger Whittaker is at number eleven. With I don't believe I don't believe in if anymore. <laughs> what the hell are you on about, Roger? <laughs> I think Roger's been hanging out with Fleetwood Mac, <laughs> uh, or maybe Johnny Cash, asking what is truth. Down four places at number ten, it's those Supremes, and they're going up the ladder to the roof. Maybe they do a bit of roofing. I could dab them round at my rig. Get an estimate. Uh, had a terrible bit of damp recently. <laughs> Need some uh, at least some of the tiles replacing, if not the whole roof. <laughs> going to be costly. At number nine, down five places, it's Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. <laughs> Up three at number eight, it's the Jackson Five, and they want to teach us the ABC. At number seven, up from 13, it's Mr. Blow with Groovin' with Mr. Blow. Now, there's a song and a guy I feel you can trust. Uh, up six at number six, it's Ray Stevens with Everything is Beautiful. Well, I don't think I agree with that, Ray. I read an article about Cambodia the other night, and everything is not beautiful in Cambodia right now. What's going on right there? It right now is grotesque, horrific. It's inhuman. At number five, it's uh, Tom Jones with "Daughter of Darkness." Oh, oh dear! <laughs> Up one at number four, it's Glenn Campbell, "Honey, Come Back." At number three, it's those Moody Blues. They've got a question. Wow. The song's called "Question." Down one place at number two, the England World Cup squad with Back Home. They're a soccer team, if you didn't know. Yep, familiar Not really with them. a fan of that sport myself. And at number one, it's someone called Christy with Yellow River, which is, of course, what you see streaming out of alleyways after chucking out time on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the chart. Well... There's not many songs that I recognise in there. There are a handful. And, of course, there are some artists. Yeah. Like, for instance, Tom Jones at number five. We all know Tom Jones. I'm not familiar with the song Daughter of Darkness. Yeah, exactly. There's lots of that sort of thing going on um, all the way down to uh, Cliff Richard with Goodbye, Sam, Hello, Samantha. Now, I've, <laughs> uh, 
a lot of them sound made up, don't they? Like yeah. Chris Morris making up horse yeah. names. I'm just going to have a look at the uh, lyrics. I saw I saw Tom Jones live once did you? in Brighton. Yeah, oh. I did. Um, it was sort of like, you know, like he came back and being students with our keen sense of irony, yeah. we were really on board with the Tom Jones revival right. that was going down yeah. after he'd done a cover of Kiss. Yeah, I thought that was abhorrent. Yeah, it was, uh, think, uh, abhorrent. It was, yeah, it was abhorrent, but... At the time, I was like, oh, Tim Jones, really good. I think it just got wrapped up in the student, well, the he, irony he of Tom it, Jones. He did it and with the Art of Noise as well. And I used to love the Art of Noise when they started, but then they went all fucking chart chasing like that and started hooking up with people like Tom Jones and fucking ruined it. But anyway. Well, he also, had, I think he was maybe about to do, it was around the time that he was he was on the scene and he did a song with... Um, Catatonia and Keris Matthews, didn't he? I think Jonathan Ross and brought him back. He got him on The Last Resort, didn't he? And sort of bigged right. him up. Um, yeah. So he's this legend who hasn't really done much for the last 15 years or whatever, because he'd been kind of doing the chicken in a basket circuit, working men's clubs and all that sort of stuff. I think. Or he'd been out in Vegas right. and wasn't, we weren't really aware of him here. And Jonathan Ross yeah. brought him back in that ironic sort of sense. And uh, never yeah, gone yeah. away, and then, and then people just remembered him. And, we, and so... We were at university and they, they uh, were advertising it like around the campus, probably thinking, we'll get these fucking daft student yeah. cunts down there, thinking it's all funny and they're, ironic. They're all drinking they'll their pound of pints in the afternoon. They'll be so fucking bladdered by tea time, they'll just turn up anyway. Yeah, and they were right, <clears throat> these unscrupulous tour promoters, because a load of us did go, oh, yeah, let's buy two children. So we went down and I did, I mean, look, Tom Jones is an, is an amazing performer. You know, mm. with an incredible voice and a, and a presence, so why not? But I suppose we thought that because he'd come back in this sort of rebranded way, that the venue, which was a bit one of Brighton's bigger venues, mm. right, um, would be kind of at least partially full with people like us. I think about a group of six of us went. We couldn't have been more wrong, mate. We got down there and it was like the six of us fucking students, mm. right, stuck out like a sore thumb. And we were surrounded by the proper knicker-throwing <laughs> middle-aged women. I was going to say that they'll be like in their late forties by that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was, there was, there was an older. There was like old women, right? Were they still old throwing the knickers? There. No, they were sitting very politely and primly. And I remember the auditorium. It was the, it was the Brighton. Um, I think it was the Brighton Centre, which is like the biggest venue, really. Yeah. I also saw the prodigy there, which is was a contrasting experience, and they and everyone was sitting just in very quiet. It was like being at the theatre, and he right. kept the the whole auditorium quite well lit, which is never nice at a gig mm. if the, all the like the house lights yeah. are kind of on. And he came on, and he you know, and there was not much of a band or anything, and I just remember him in between each song just doing polite sort of repartee with the audience. I always remember me and my mate still do it because, I don't know, it's just one of those things that sticks out in your mind. Me and my mate who were there, now still, if any of us drinks a glass of water, <laughs> fucking weird things you take the piss out of your mates for, right? If, I, if someone has a glass of water, the other one has to always go, just going to have a little sip of me water. <laughs> Because that's what he said between each between each song. Between each song, he walked over to the table and said, "Just go have a little sip of me water." 
and had a little sip of his water. And we found that hysterical because, like I said, this was in the era of going to see bands like, whether it was Oasis or The Prodigy or, you know, say, yeah, hard and, living and, bands. And Tom lost all of his um, sort of sexual stagecraft by this point. Was he, was he, yeah, he wasn't really being that sexual. We yeah. thought it was going to be very kind of rock and roll leather trousers, yeah. like, I guess, sort of like thrusting his hips and yeah. everyone screaming and going, man. But what I remember is we were obviously pissed. And um, a friend of mine who is a loudmouth, um, she was at probably the most pissed and giving it, ah, I can't fucking go on, and all that stuff. And people were going, fucking mad at us mm. for standing up like that's the sort of type of gig it was people were telling us to be quiet telling us to shut up telling us to sit down complaining to security asking for us to be thrown out but we weren't like we were just behaving like we do it again yeah <laughs> we were just shit faced but we weren't like it wasn't like you know I was getting my cock out or shitting on the stool on the seat or something you know just like duck, duck. basically we were just dancing but you weren't meant and to be there. That, me that kind of energy wasn't supposed to be there because all of the audience were like 45 no. plus. Yeah. You were ruining it. Yeah. Yeah, we ruined it. But how were we <laughs> to have known? They shouldn't yeah. have marketed it to us. It reminds me of yeah. the year before when I'd gone to the World Cup final between Brazil and Italy and there was a Bra- and it was all Americans sitting around us and there was a Brazilian in our bit and he was getting up and obviously was going mad because he was watching his team in the World Cup final. Yeah. But he wasn't going mad, <laughs> mad. He was getting up and just going, ah, oh, fucking hell, or whatever, in Brazilian. Yeah. And the Americans who were there, who must have all just been there on fucking corporate entertainment mm. tickets or whatever, right, didn't really know what it was. They were literally going, sir, if you do not sit down and modify your behaviour, I will ask security for you to be ejected, Right. This is unacceptably aggressive, sir. Right? And I, in the end, me and my brother, we tapped this woman who was complaining the most. They were all doing it and said, listen, listen, sweetheart. He's only having, he don't mean nothing by it. He's getting a bit excitable because it's a big football game, see? And she's like, I don't care how big it is. He's being aggressive. He's intimidating me. Right? We're like, we were like, listen. This is just, oh. honestly, he is not being, he's not a footballer, he's a soccer hooligan. I am going, like, he's not. I am going he's to sue excited. him. I'm going to sue him into the middle <laughs> yeah. of next week for mental endangerment. Brazilian ass. <laughs> I will have his pubic hair removed. The fucking World Cup <laughs> final. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's incredible. Fucking hell. It was sickening that they had tickets. Also in the same World Cup final, I'm sure I said this when we did our World Cup rings years ago, but... Um, in the same World Cup final, a couple sat in front of us, a man and a woman. There was a throw-in. This is 20 minutes into the World Cup mm. final. Baggio's playing for Italy. Romario's playing for Brazil. And there's a throw-in. And the woman in front of us turns to the bloke and goes, Okay, you say they weren't allowed to use their hands. How do you explain that, <laughs> smart guy? And me and my brother just looked at each other like, it is so sickening that these people have tickets to this game and they don't <laughs> yeah. even know what a yeah. throw-in is. And this is the most sought-after <clears throat> fucking ticket yeah. in world's football. Yeah. Jalapeño. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Jalapeño. You know what? World Cup 2026 mm. is Canada, USA, Mexico. I think we should oh, attempt know, to go to that. Me, me and Len have planned our route around oh, North already, America for yeah, that. Because me and, me and yeah, the boy I mean, planned we it already. Ticket, so we're, we're, yeah, we, I mean, that we're gonna is get a, cast We've got to get a, a Winnebago. Yeah, call them. I mean, honestly, honestly, I mean, I'm hoping by that stage, this podcast will be at the stage where someone will pay us to just do the tour. That's exactly what I'm and thinking. Br- and do a, do a podcast from each place, and we'll take our lads with us yep. in the Winnebago yep. in case we can't be bothered some days and we just let them do it instead. That'll begin the gradual transition where we hand it over to them. Yeah, <laughs> to our retirement. Yeah. <laughs> Good news, everyone. It's an episode by the boys this week. <laughs> We've got much more energy and more to say than we yeah, have. Better swearing. Um, so, yeah, that's that's Tom Jones. I've just been looking at the lyrics of Cliff Richards' Goodbye, Sam, Hello, Samantha. And it's all about Cliff transitioning from hanging out with the boys to finding some female love in his life. And he sings, Sam, I'm mm. leaving the gang, so don't come around for me on Sunday. Joe, I want you to know, I'll have to skip the game on Monday. Had a whole lot of fun, but now the time has come. I need the sweet touch of a woman's love. Oh, I thought you'd say of a woman's bum. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been better, wouldn't that it? That might have been the original lyrics. I know lyrics. we've had some fun. I know we've had some fun, but the time has come. I need the sweet touch of, of a, a woman's, woman's bum. bum. <laughs> there might well have been the original <laughs> lyrics which were by uh, Jeffrey Stevens Mitch Murray and Peter Callender but uh, obviously yeah I had a feeling Cliff hadn't written them himself no they, they, they've been changed for uh, for radio purposes guys you ought to get wise there's more to the world than pool and fishing easy riding is <laughs> easy riding is fine Ooh, mention of easy rider there dangerous mm. but look around see what you're missing Girls are waiting in line. And now has come Ooh. the time. I'm going out and I'm going to get me some. <laughs> Fucking hell, Cliff. He's turned his back on pool yeah, and fishing. Yeah, well, I mean, 
as far as I understand it, the only sum he'd had at this stage was off of um, Una Stubbs. Yeah. Yeah, that's official. And my mate once worked with Una Stubbs' <sighs> son, who by all counts was... I mean, my, my, my brother worked with him and he said he was one of the funniest blokes he's ever met in his life. Mm. And, I mean, that's just a little side note. I've got nothing to add to that. But he always goes on about him. About- oh, Una Stubbs' son. Oh, son. oh right. Okay. But he would wind him up and always say that Cliff Richard was his dad. <laughs> which apparently was a bit of an Achilles heel hey, for this lad. Fuck off. He'd smash the room up. He was a good <laughs> laugh. Fuck off, right? He was a good laugh till you mentioned that Cliff Richard and, was his dad. And then he, well, you wouldn't want to see him then. then he really turned nasty. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, guys, uh, it's all very well going to the football. And going fishing, and even doing a bit of easy riding. But I've got to tell you, sexual intercourse with a woman with a fanny is, I would say, if anything, better. Give with it a, a go. That's all I'm saying. A woman with an actual functional fanny. It's where it's at. <laughs> I've met a lovely girl. Her name's Samantha. She's got a fully functioning fanny. And uh, we've had a lot of t- fun together. And sure, I miss easy riding and fishing. <laughs> but I've got to tell you. This is, you know, this is almost as satisfying, guys. It's a new world to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a world I intend to explore greatly. (laughs) In fact, uh, I want my next single to be called I Want to Explore Your Fanny. (laughs) (laughs) And that song... You know, some of the shit we come out with. That got as high as number six in the... uh, I'm not surprised. Sounds fucking brilliant. For the couple of weeks. I mean, I haven't heard it, but no. on the lyrics alone, I'd probably buy a copy. Oh, I'm going to head straight to Spotify and have a listen after this. Uh, what else? Is there anything else in the, that chart that jumps out at you, Sam? Uh, ABC feel? by Jackson 5. Of course, that's... Um, I mean, there's not much to say about that, other than I recognise it, and <laughs> it's a good song. But it's. A, I suppose it, it falls into category of songs that, yeah, it is good, but in a way it's not because you've heard it too many times. So you, you're you're unlikely yeah. to just stick it on, are you? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, probably similar with Back Home by the England World Cup squad. Um, but I yeah. Mean, that, was, that was a number one single. That was fucking huge. That was the, the first sort of big football single, I think. Yeah, and all you can think about, for me, for us who weren't alive during that World Cup, I, for me personally, it's probably the same for you. So what, even if you're of a of a later generation, you you're probably aware of it from on fantasy football when they used to get Jeff Astle to yeah. come on at the end and sing it as the outro yeah. every week. Yeah, which especially in its original incarnation was, and despite the fact I, I'm not really a fan of David Baddiel much, it was a superb show. That show at its yeah. best. Yeah. It was fucking good. And, of course, yeah, Paul Hawksby, <clears throat> our, our occasional colleague and yeah. friend, um, was was like a key person behind it all was. that. No coincidence, because the bloke's very funny. He's a you know, very funny, very clever bloke. Writes Harry Hill now, mm. so that says it all. Mm. And, uh, yeah, the, the ideas they had on that. I mean, just the fact that they had Jeff Astle coming out every week, singing yeah. Back Home in itself is hilarious. It's a shame that <clears throat> I, I can't think of any real show that's, that's sort of took football like that did and made fun of it because football is so wrapped up in its own 
pomposity nowadays with the Premier League yeah. and everything. Yeah. Soccer AM kind of did it a bit, but Soccer AM bit, was never yeah. really for me. Don't know. Um, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see the appeal of Soccer AM. Like sometimes I watch it with Len and he'll really like it. And I think actually a lot of people, there's been various hosts over the years and a lot of people it boiled down to whether or not they liked the host so, personally. Yeah. And there's been a few different ones. And so you'll hear some people go, I don't like that because of whoever, mm. you know, whoever the host was at, at that particular time. And that's just personal taste, you know. Uh, but actually, if you look at the show, it's good. It's a, it's a good idea for a show. You yeah. don't get many shows like well, that anymore exactly because they I mean, am I suggesting just make fun stuff out of it, but I, it's not as good as... Am I suggesting mm. that one of the TV networks take us on and allow us <laughs> to run riot with the football world? Yes, I am. Yes, I am suggesting that. But, but but you say that, mate. But honestly, when you think that through, oh yeah, um, you'd have to I like, leave I the house and be asked. Yeah. yeah, I just cannot no, be asked. No. Making TV shows. I was talking to someone rang me up yesterday who is researching a book for a uh, well, a very well known journalist mm. is writing a book about Nigel Farage. Yeah, mm. and he's and he's so such a powerful journalist. He's got researcher Researches. working Whoa. for him, so he doesn't even do it all himself. Yeah. Right, and the researcher ran me up and he wanted to speak to me about that time that we pranked Nigel oh, Farage right. yeah, on yeah. Sam Delaney's news thing. And it won't surprise you to know that, um, despite the fact that they wanted to ask about all the ins and outs of working RT and Farage and blah, 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 blah. And my wife had said, yeah, you know, just tell them what they want to know, but, you know, don't don't go over the top. It won't surprise you to know I let my mouth run away with me. <laughs> and I told him lots of stuff that he hadn't even asked about. Um, I gave him unsolicited information, rumour, hearsay, <clears throat> gossip, and then woke up in the night really anxious about the things that I'd said and what the results of them appearing in print might be. <clears throat> but whilst talking about the much-lamented, rested TV show Sandalini's news thing, it got me to thinking about how much of a hassle it was to make, mm. right? And how much making a TV show is a fucking hassle. It was like... It's a hassle, mate. Like, like four days' preparation to do half an hour of telly. And loads oh, of people involved so like, in stuff. And I was so knackered. Like, by the time we got to do it, I've been doing the radio show all week I, and all sorts of other things. By the time we actually started filming on a Friday, the last place I wanted to be in the world and the last thing I wanted to be doing was that. Yeah. Yeah. But we had some good time. But basically, making a TV show in comparison to doing it, this is like how the meetings were that we had in the script writing room beforehand, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. What we do now. Them. Yeah, exactly. And we don't have to fucking write this down. We just yeah, do it. Yeah, we don't want to so, be on TV. Um, thanks for the offer, Sky and Netflix, of me and Andy making a new groundbreaking TV <laughs> show about football. <laughs> right? But... Thanks, but no, because I like sitting in my room we'll doing this. We'll just stay here in our little corner of the media vegetable patch. Keep on yeah, doing what exactly. we're doing. Because it seems to be yeah, I'd have to shave. You oh, have to yeah. get dressed properly. Yeah. You have to get in a fucking car or on a tube London. or whatever and get up there to the studio in the oh, middle of London. Ugh, for you, I mean, you've got to get on the train all the way. Fuck Awful. That. Awful I mean, idea. Mind you. I'd probably consider it more appealing if we filmed the old thing in Sunderland because, yeah, you know, that would be more interesting for me. Do you know what Definitely. I mean? Definitely. Where are we? Um, so we've looked at back home. Um, what else is there? Uh, there's, I mean, there's some songs there which 
are just cast iron classics now. I mean, you've got like um, Bridge Over Troubled Water by uh, Simon. Yeah, that's weird actually because I was this morning I was listening to Six Music and I love the album Bridge Over Troubled Water. Mm. Right, it's one of my favourite ever albums. And um, this morning on Six Music, they played a song by I think it's by Carter, The Unstoppable Sex Machine. Oh, right, yeah. Right, called The Only Living Boy in New Cross. Yeah which I remember hearing when it came out in the early 90s. And I, at that stage, I was unfamiliar with the album Bridge Over Troubled Water, mm. other than the hits, you know. <laughs> and um, I didn't realise that that was a reference to the song The Only Living Boy in New York yeah. from this album. And I was just so, as a result of hearing that cart song, which is not a song I particularly like or dislike, indifferent, I started singing to myself The Only Living Boy in New York and thinking to myself how oh, that was my favourite song no, that's on this song. album. Now that's a song and a half, my friend. Take your Bloody unstoppable fruit. sex machine and dismantle it, because you can never reach the heights <laughs> of Simon and, and Garfunkel. And once you finish dismantling it, smelt it down. <laughs> smelt it. And turn that smelted record, <laughs> turn that smelted metal into a record player that you then play Simon and Garfunkel's The Only Living Boy in New York on. But it is a great <clears> fucking <throat> album. And this is a good song, but my favourite song on it is The Only Living Boy in New York. Well, me, me parents, Andy, do you like this album? Me, me parents like were, they never had much uh, musical kind of love. I was massively mm. into it, but they had like three albums or something, and one of them was um, Bridge Over Troubled Water, so it would get, like, it, would, it, would, it was recorded onto a tape, yeah. and it would get played in the car in the absence of anything else. And I didn't yeah. get much opportunity to have my choice of music in the car. It was always... So you'd think, well, that's the best of what's on offer. as good as it gets. So then I sort of naturally took against it because it wasn't what I wanted to listen Parent to. Parent music. Parent music, yeah. exactly. But obviously I've since learned that it's a great album. It threw um, my parents... That would have been my parents, what, the reason I was into it. It's a classic parents I think every, album every household had it, yeah. Like Dire yeah. Straits, Brothers in Arms in the 80s. And then the beautiful sounds yeah. carry on up the charts in the nineties. Yeah, I don't know it what. was a it's a it's a it's a brilliant record. I still play it sometimes. Um, and Bridge Over Troubled Water, yeah, it's a lovely rousing number, isn't it? It's not much of a single. I'm yeah. surprised they released that one as a single, mate. Yeah, well, I mean it's a fucking mm, slow build, isn't it? It is. But uh, where did it get to? Got a number one. Got to Three number one. Number one. Yeah. Um, I mean, different times. It's a record like that. A record like that nowadays would be overproduced and made like the sort of song that an X Factor winner sings yeah. in the finale. Yeah. Just mentioning Dire Straits there. Probably that the, the fella from Coldplay dreams about. Well, I was going to say, yeah, just mentioning Dire Straits there. Dire Straits had a single in, they got number two in about 1982, I think, called Private Investigations. Have you heard it? Oh, my God. It's, it's, oh, yeah. It's barely there. It barely Mate, exists as a tune. And it got I've, a number two. I've... I've got something to say about the song Private Investigations. <laughs> oh, good. That's very important. Okay. Yeah. Do you have time? We're almost Wait, at the end of this one. I, I think one of the greatest... We're talking about fantasy football there, right? Which I think is one of my favourite TV, like, you know, studio-based sort of yeah. TV shows ever. And right up there alongside it as one of the funniest fucking programmes ever it was Dick and Dom in the Bungalow, yes. right? Yes. Which was one of the most superbly fucking entertaining programmes ever. I mean, people talk about the classics of, like, 
you know, whatever Tiz was yeah. and all these other chaotic yeah. kids shows. But I felt it took that and did it better than anyone Absolutely. had done it. Absolutely. Right? Now, there is all of the fucking recurring characters and sketches in it were unbelievably brilliant. <laughs> but I've got to remember his name. There was one, right, and he was a detective, right, and he was a Geordie. Harry. <laughs> Harry. What was right. his name again? Oh, I'm looking at Private Investigations, Dick and Dom, right? Yes. It's one of my favourite all-time sketches. We make the kids watch it sometimes, right? Because obviously it was after we were kids. We were into it when we were in our 20s. Harry Bass, right? that's who it was. We were in it, yeah. Um, well, I, I got into it when my daughter go. was, just after she'd been born, because this was about 2004. Yeah. So I didn't even have kids yeah. when, when we had it. it we just adult. were like, yeah. me and my wife, my good wife, we were just like, when she wasn't even my good wife, but we'd be like living in a flat and on, you know, hung over on a Saturday it morning. Two hours stumbled Saturday across morning. It. it was genius, wasn't it? And we were like, this is relentlessly fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Everything. In it. We've even got a DVD of best bits of it, right? Yeah. That we bought when we were like in our two, three, we had that kids, as well. right? Yeah. So it was our it's, favorite program. The Dirty Norris And now files. we show it. Yeah. We show, yeah, we show it to the kids. Like, you can imagine, like, Len loves that bogeys game. Oh, yeah. Which is probably the most famous thing to come out of it, but. Some of it, it was just, it was so fucking weird. Mm. Like there was a bit up in a fucking loft where there was some sort of geezer talking to the dead with a Ouija board yeah. and shit like that. Yeah, like fucking mad stuff. Anyway, there's a there's a they had this Geordie detective with a handlebar moustache who I suppose was vaguely based on Spender, yeah. right? And he's called DC Harry Bat. And in one sketch, which you can look up online, yeah. he inexplicably is in an interview room, right? <laughs> interviewing a criminal right and then he gets up and just for no reason just starts speaking the words really aggressively to private investigations (laughs) and that's the only reason i'm aware of the song private investigations Uh, it's fucking superb there's loads of dick and dom in the bungalow stuff on youtube and i urge everyone who listens to this podcast to go and have a look at it rifle through it because it was such One a good things, show. I mean, pretty much everything about it was brilliant. It was almost like it's close to a perfect show. There wasn't yeah. like bits where I like that bit, but that bit's a bit shit. Like, so if you watch Soccer AM, similar type of show. Mm-hmm. For me, if I tune into Soccer AM, there'll be bits, oh, I really like it when they do that bit, you know, when they do yeah. Showboat or whatever. I'm not so keen on that bit. But Dick and Dom and the Bungalow, from the moment it started to the moment it ended, was just creative, imaginative, yeah. hilarious, yeah. brilliant. And uh, and one of the things I liked was was that <clears throat> they had a dog in the studio, but for no reason. Yeah, there was just a dog that they would let loose in the studio, <laughs> and whenever and it was allowed to do what it wanted. Yeah, and so it wasn't always be on camera, but whenever it did run into shot, Dick and Don would just point and shout, "Dog!" <laughs> um. So there we go. That's the end of this episode. I think we've covered the chart pretty much. We were going to do. We Mungo didn't even Jerry's talk about Mungo Jerry, but one summertime. day we'll do that in history box. We will do, yeah. Put that on the list, yeah. absolutely. Right, great. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.